the Russian economy right now, trying to go into cryptocurrency, trying to go into NFT, trying to go into art purchases, trying to go into real estate. Dubai is one hub. Tel Aviv is one hub. Istanbul is one hub. And a couple of other countries I cannot mention are actual hubs right now. Okay, thank you. Um, the second question was about Azerbaijan. Uh, I read that uh, the leader of Azerbaijan told uh, or said that uh, he, he recommended Zelensky not to give one centimeter from uh, their land to, to Russia. And they also uh, said that Azerbaijan has a big military power that could be used to fight Russia. And the question was if uh, you see any possibility that Azerbaijan will get into the conflict. Um, I don't have any information on that, but Doman. I'm going to guess no, Azerbaijan isn't trying to uh, fight Russia directly. However, if Azerbaijan can um, you know, get rid of those Russian troops in Nagorno-Karabakh, then that would be very much in Azerbaijan's favor. Uh, more than anything, I would assume that this is primarily a statement meant at Azerbaijani or Azeri domestic audience because of the Karabakh, let's call it situation, for the lack of a better word. Okay, got it. Thank you. Thank you, Louis. Uh, let's Just go to Yehuda. Hi there, everybody. I would like to make an announcement from the Walter Report. Uh, and so, in true form of an announcement, hot off the presses tomorrow, Thursday, at 7 p.m., 1900 hours Eastern Standard Time, Romeo Time. We will have on our panel the following individuals for a round robin and discussion. We will have uh, Colonel John Spencer, urban warfare specialist, Major Jason Giroux, uh, his Canadian counterpart in urban warfare and author of many articles on uh, urban warfare. Too many, to, to, too numerous to mention all of them. Uh, we will have General Mick Ryan from the Australian Army, retired uh, as well, joining us, and a special guest, uh, and who will appearing more often is a colonel retired uh, Alexander Vindman. Uh, he will be uh, on the panel tomorrow. Um, tell your kids, tell your friends, uh, tell everybody. Um, we're going to have an excellent uh, discussion and possibly debate. Um, these are key players who understand uh, international geopolitics, military matters. Uh, colonel Vindman obviously is very dialed into the intelligence aspect uh of uh of ukraine uh obviously uh originally born in ukraine raised in the united states uh was national security advisor um and uh also uh you might know him for his uh, testimony in congress um with respect to the then uh president trump and um he's a great asset of wealth of knowledge and information and knows a lot about what's going on on the ground and it promises to be a very good conversation so I recommend that uh, everyone, um, if you can, make time for it. Super appreciate it. As usual, we have John Spencer, a long-time contributor as well, who um, will be uh, who will be discussing intricacies of urban warfare, larger geopolitical implications, current situation in Mariupol and Azovstal, 
um, the implications of uh, the continued defense uh, and possible uh, continued Russian action in uh, in that region. Also, we will look at the military uh, aspect of the different axes of advance that the Russians are embarked on and a possible Belarusian feint or invasion and then the uh, the reaction that could come out of Europe. Um, would there be other people involved? Uh, is enough enough? Um, Europe has said alongside the United States, 40 nations at Rammstein a week and a half ago that um, the defense of Ukraine is uh, of paramount importance. So it's going to be an amazing uh, panel. Uh, I cannot wait. And uh, if there are any questions, uh, we're going to start doing a thread. Uh, there might be even uh, some media releases uh, to CBC. One of our friends, Betsy, uh, who most people know now, how can you not know her? She's a force of nature. Um, she's assisting with that. Our end goal, our end state, our desired goal would be to increase awareness of what's going on, to uh, fight and combat uh, disinformation, misinformation, and to uh, and to promote uh, the freedom of Ukraine. So thanks again for listening to the update. Do, 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 do. Like that. Things like that. Um, any questions? Well, Yehuda, you will have to do it again with the sound effects. Go again with the sound effects, please. I'm not doing any sound effects. You got you got what you got out of me. Hey, why don't you ever uh, play poker with the toilet? How about we all share and retweet the link that is attached uh, regarding the announcement? I believe it's yeah. uh, quite imperative. Well, hold on, hold on a second. Going, going back to my dad joke, why don't you ever play poker with the toilet? Because it has a flush. Because it will always get a flush. Okay. <laughs> That's actually a very poor taste to ask a Muslim, Yehuda, but yeah, sure. Okay, well, I'm not sure anyone really plays poker with a toilet, but thanks for taking it the wrong way. A you toilet and a flush and poker. You have, a, you, have the, you, have, you have the trifecta right there. I'm not oh, going to call boy. it the trinity. Anyway, always ruining dad jokes. Marat's job. All right, uh, so are there any questions uh, for me about the big uh, panel discussion tomorrow? If yeah, not, what was the time? What was the time again? 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So the center of the world that is Toronto, New York, Washington, D.C. Can we order. call them the Joint Chiefs of the Walter Report? Sure, let's do it. Joint we're Chiefs. missing one. We're Stacks. missing one Lieutenant General. Uh, we'll get them all. We'll get them all. So anyways, the point is a great opportunity. Uh, for people who don't recall, we had Major Giroux on a couple of nights ago. And we turned it into pretty much a tactics lecture. It was really awesome. And a lot of people enjoyed it. got a lot out of it. And then we had uh, Colonel Spencer pop in as well. And uh, last night was the same thing. So awesome times uh, were had by all. And uh, Helena, go ahead. Sorry, which of the Vinmans? I, I met one of them um, a few weeks ago in D.C. at the Ukrainian um, protest. Support. Which one do you like better? I love them both. <laughs> okay, then both will be there. No, Alex. <laughs> All right, excellent. I did not meet him. Thank you. Well, there you go. Uh, John Ritter. Uh, my question was unrelated to the uh, event. Related to the what? To the event tomorrow, Michael. I had my hand up before you were. Yeah, go ahead. Was, uh, Sorry, didn't okay. see your hand. No worries. Um, uh, what I was going to ask was um, one of uh, a, a major concern going forward 
with the war, particularly if it drags on, you know, for months and months, is um, the effect of the Russian naval blockade on Ukraine's economy. And clearly at this point, the Ukrainians have demonstrated a robust anti-surface combatant capability, albeit in small numbers, uh, with the Neptunes, you know, from the Moskva strike. Um, And I believe the British said they're supplying some kind of anti-shipping missile. I know there was discussion of harpoons, but there is no ground launchable, or there is no ground launcher currently in existence for the harpoons, as far as I'm aware. So I think it was some other anti-shipping missile. Um, But my question is, um, in addition to these, uh, to the anti-shipping missiles, which are designed for use against surface combatants, uh, should we also consider supplying um, anti-submarine warfare equipment, uh, anti-ASW helicopters, sonar buoys, uh, ASW torpedoes, that kind of thing? Because the submarine, Russia's uh, nuclear attack submarines, obviously they can be used to enforce the blockade in the absence of Russian surface combatants, and they can also launch calibers. So, you know, two birds with one stone there. So I just wanted to get y'all's thoughts on that. Okay, so I misunderstood. I thought you said you had a question about the event. So I'm I said I didn't off. have a question. No, I, I, I said I didn't, I didn't have hear. a question about sorry. It's okay, no problem. So I say that's not about the event. All right, cool. So if there's no other questions, uh, I'll be on later. Have a good one, gents and ladies. Cheers. I have a question, if anyone could speak to it. Uh, I don't know who's up or who's being called. D- depends on what the question is. Uh, I guess you'll first need to pose it for us to be able to assess that. Um, but sure. Hands are up. Sure. You might go ahead. Yeah, uh, people are talking about uh, uh, Putin's health and Putin's um, appearances uh, appearance, and uh, I don't want to belabor that uh, because I know it's mostly an exercise in futility, but I'm wondering if people have seen him uh, publicly uh, not being distant uh, in his public meetings with officials, the UN or the president of Austria. Uh, is he close? To, is, is he fearful of uh, contamination, COVID or whatever? Um, you know, I'm wondering what is, his health is from the, yeah, the public Pete, face that he's Pete, putting out. Pete, have you not seen that table he sits at? Yeah. It's about, it's about 110 meters away from anybody. He does not get close to anyone. He, he uh, gave Klaus Nehammer and Antonio Guterres the long table treatment indeed. Oh, that, that seems significant to me. I mean, let's just stop getting into Putin's health, honestly. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, was it Yehuda earlier who put it really well? Somebody earlier put it really well. Whatever it is, if it is, it's been something that has been floated intentionally by Russians for, what, six, seven, eight years now, maybe maybe more. And it's, it's truly an exercise in futility, as you noted yourself, Pete. But yeah, the long table is back. Uh, the Macron, the famous for Macron uh, long table is definitely back. It's a narrative. 
It's an important narrative for them. It's Maskarovka. It's so simple. Let's not discuss it. Back to the front, please. Axel, what are you on about? Is, is people are listening into the space to get the, to find out what the health tips are to spot? You know, they'll be running back to him now and be like, Dr. Tom, we found out Dr. Tom said they've got, he's got this, so he's definitely got it. That was only a mate, joke, I, by the way. Mate, so. I love you, I love you, but I'm, I'm really more into Bowie's Major Tom. Moving on from Putin's health because that's just beating a dead horse. No puns intended. <laughs> that, that is a pretty epic no. table, though. All right, thank you, gentlemen, for the banter. Uh, Let's go to a piece of uh, Ukraine. Please. Sorry, Axel. Hi, everyone. Um, just, just my, my, my two small sons. He's just posturing with that, with that stupid long table. He's all huggy and loving, lovey-dovey with Lukashenko when they see each other. So hugs and kisses. Whenever there's, there's Guterres or there's Macron, he, he sits them at the long table. Not only sits them at the long table, but he sits, he sits before them. When they come to the table, he's already sitting down. He behaves like he's some sort of tsar with that table. But with Lukashenko and his sort of the friendly ally, the unfriendly get the long table, the friendly get hugs, hugs and kisses and sitting to each other and posturing to, to the table. It's all part of the typical BS. That's it. That's all I want to say. You know. I, I think there's a lot more to it. You see, Lukashenko goes to the sauna four times a day and drinks at least a liter of vodka every day. He's sterile. He's not carrying anything. He gave everyone the recipe, just others aren't following it. <laughs> so vodka it does the trick? Well, that's what he said at the start of the, of the whole thing. Sorry. Goldman, what, what, what is your problem with going to sauna? Nothing, Axel, obviously. I'm just saying that, you know, Luca follows his own recipe and that's why Putin is willing to get into within, you know, 17 feet of him. Uh, that's all. It was a joke, Axel. Don't take it so personally. Um, you don't like my, you don't like me going to the sauna every day. This is something wrong with you. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, Domen, since I, I, I still have you here, um, I will send you something regarding this Setubal thing because it's re 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 trending a bit. Um, the, yes, please. Yeah, I will. I will. I will send you that. Uh, apparently, the the guy the guy that was uh, sitting there basically he went to Moscow in 2014 into this Congress, and he signed a letter. Fifteen. Uh, 2015. Yeah, exactly. 2015. Yes, yes. The, in the meeting was 2015. Exactly, and he gave an interview about it. So, yeah, I will send you that information. Not not only he gave. Uh, sorry, sorry. By uh, just getting into it, not only he gave uh, an interview. He signed a declaration that yep. uh, supports the um, annexation of. Um, of Donbass and uh, Crimea, so yeah, I complained because he already found uh, he already found uh, some uh, a community in Ukraine after 2014. Then went to Portugal and uh, and actually um, there was that the number of um, 
of people going to Portugal from Ukraine was starting to increase and he was worried. So I hope that they take uh, all the Secret Service, take the list of all the people into that Congress and invest them, them thoroughly and Portugal expels them ASAP. That's my just wishful thinking. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Peace. Um, Luis, if you want to carry on with whatever else you said, uh, you, you, you had for us earlier, and then we can go to Rupo. Yes, I, I just wanted to address uh, the long table. Uh, it's a simple, simple answer uh, because it was discussed also here in, in Germany. Uh, as uh, Scholz meet uh, Putin in Moscow, uh, they the Russians wanted Scholz to make a COVID test uh, because uh, Putin is very afraid of COVID. And Scholz and, and I think Macron also said no, because we don't want our leaders' DNA in Russian hands. And that's why he puts the people away. So they don't want to make a COVID test. They sit on the long table. I think Lukashenko, uh, his DNA is, is maybe spread over Russia. And uh, that's why he, he can sit uh, uh, near Putin. I'm, I'm sure Lukashenko had to give his DNA when he was uh, applying to be a colonel in the Russian army. Absolutely. Scholz, by the way, just like Macron, was tested on his own aircraft and they provided the yes. test result. Yes. All right, let's go to uh, Ruble Destroyer. And again, Winter Mute or anyone else, if you have used the emoji while being uh, while waiting to be approved, you get kicked out of the space. So, Ruble Destroyer, go ahead. Hi there. I saw a report um, on 11, 12 hours ago, something like that, um, that Belarus had moved from Belarusian S300s to Malarita, I want to say it's pronounced, which is the very southeast, sorry, southwest corner of Belarus near the Polish and Ukrainian borders. I was just wondering uh, if anyone had some thoughts about that, like, uh, is that just for for show uh, force, or is that uh, you know do, do do we think they're going to use them in some way, either shooting down aircraft you know above or, or missiles or whatever above uh, Ukrainian airspace, or, or what the deal is with that? Posturing, and they also have an ongoing exercise where they're just it's like a show of force, where they're saber rattling, swinging dicks, kind of thing. They're not going to get involved. Okay, thanks for that, Osan. All right. Uh, Pete, please go ahead. Uh, I have nothing. Take me down if you're calling on me. Pete had the long table question earlier. Winter mute. Go ahead. Hi, guys. I have a question uh, to the uh, military experts uh, to give a little bit of a, uh, you know, sum up of what's going on in Azov style. If anyone knows more than just what I just read, that um, that has been a breach and some Russian soldiers might have gone uh, in one of these tunnels. Um, 
And also, if what what? Good luck to him. Say it again. Good luck to him. Yeah. Yes, of course.、Uh, have you have you ever considered fighting in a tunnel? And I won't, because I understand that it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so,、uh, well, then let me twist the question and say May ninth is not too far, and I got the feeling that that might be the ideal solution for the Russians, since it sounds like they want to do a parade in in Mariupol by May ninth.、Uh, so I'm assuming that they want to completely、uh, shut down this Azov-style resistance. What would it take? I mean, it's been two months now. It doesn't look like it's going anywhere. What else could have been done? Or is it a possibility that on May ninth something happens that maybe they are the the there's an evacuation or the 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 soldiers are being saved or something? You know, I'm sorry for the question, but I'm just following it every day, and it looks like it's not going anywhere. Well, we unfortunately don't have、um, Colonel Spencer amongst us speaking at the moment. I take it that he's currently actually in passive listening mode because he's probably talking to CNN or doing something serious, rather than just being in this addictive, wonderful space. But、um, <clears throat> bar having a Moab, meaning a heavy-duty、um, um, ordinance to drop onto it, and even then, if you were to just bomb it, that's not quite enough. You would probably not even shatter all the tunnels and all the bunkers underneath. If you've seen some of the excerpts and, and video shots of、uh, some of the tunnels, to the extent that they've been shown by the Azov Regiment uh, members, uh, they are very deep. And I can tell you, out of experience, I've been to Azov style once in my life on a due diligence visit. It is quite a unique feature.、Um, they would have to carpet bomb, or Find a way to convince themselves that using chemical weapons is useful, and even then, they can't guarantee that they will take it. So, unless they are willing to commit utter blood and treasure, and have people die there in mass,、um, it is not likely that they are going to take the last man there at Azovstal in time for whatever artificial date in their symbology they have. But then again, who am I to say that? I can only quote what I know, and tell you what seems likely by our best possible、uh, guess and information. If anyone else wants to chime、Thank、in、you. on this matter, you can circle me down too. I, I'm, I'm not going down those、uh, those tunnels. Battlemoose, <laughs> <laughs>、uh, did you have did you have in your training? Did you ever have、um, say lessons as to how to take、uh, a building? Well, yeah, it's、uh, it's all part and parcel of、uh, we call it fibula fighting in built up areas, and、uh, okay. and I, I believe that's there's a、Did、new acronym for、state? it. What's that? Did you do urban? Yeah, urban.、Uh, it's called now. Yeah, yeah, urban <laughs> urban operations. Yeah, we we we.、Uh, it was always it was always a treat to train. Uh, in February, especially the artillery, because we never, we never really did it. When I moved to Sigs, Sigs they never did it.、Uh, so it was, it was all, it was always a treat to get that training because it was highly sought after.、Um, that being said, I was on in the February、uh, training area in Petawawa, and a bunch of the RCR guys, so the Royal Canadian Regiment, so they're the brigade that are stationed there. 
And they went through those buildings and was like a bloody ballet. Uh, it, it was so smooth. It was not irky jerky or anything like that. It was a sight to behold. So when you get troops that are highly trained in Fibua, they're, they're, they're something else. Uh, that being said, the Russians are not. Uh, Axel mentioned uh, the carpet bombing. I've seen that this tunnels go down for for quite quite a long run. How how would they? How would you even consider a carpet bombing if if it's just going to shake the earth upstairs and 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 no really repercussion for the end of the tunnels? You're you're Which going to need some kind of yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, you're going to need some kind of ground penetrating munition. Uh, to get to get in there, uh, and we've seen, unfortunately, in the last uh, week. Well, uh, Colonel Spencer's here. We'll we'll let him take over. Is, is somebody say Urban? Yes. Oh, we, <laughs> we sent out the bat signal, buddy. <laughs> I am luckiest. You came back in time for my question. All right, shoot it. I heard something about the Avstov uh, clearing tunnels and training for tunnels, and which I've done and I've seen. Many nations do, but shoot the question. The, the question was, how would it even be possible for the Russians to take, uh, uh, to, to create a total defeat at the Azov style for the soldiers that are in there by May 9th? Since there is this talk about a march in Mariupol for the celebration. Yeah, I've seen that talk as well. And I've seen the videos actually of clearing rubble. So I think that's a very credible belief. So, um, look, I don't want to give the prescription on how to defeat Mariupol's defenders. But I can tell you that it doesn't require going into the tunnels. Carpet bombing isn't necessarily about getting to the people. Um, there have been historical examples of uh, using smoke, so back to ancient Jerusalem, the Romans getting the the Jewish uh, people that were in the sewer systems and, and holding out for weeks, um, just dropping, you're basically starting fires and dropping the smoke down there. Or unfortunately, in modern history, uh, you can basically collapse enough of the tunnel entrances down that you you basically, and God forbid that this doesn't happen to Asdol. And, and there are difficulties in doing it when it's an, it's an expansive network with multiple air ducts and multiple interests and exits. But the carpet bombing that you just mentioned could be to basically in, in, encompass them. And you basically create a coffin for them underground. There are very few people. I don't know of any actually that could enter that space without losing hundreds and hundreds of men and never being able to get the fighters with ammunition out of the, the t these tunnels. I personally don't think that's their their goal. They're trying to saturate it so much with munitions. And I agree with the comment that there are bunker busting, you know, very deep penetrating munitions. They are expensive and limited, but we've already seen some of them used in Mariupol, such as the just last week, the hospital that was hit underground. It penetrated and, and you create that rubbling. So... I'm not saying I don't want to get the prescription, but it's good to say that no military trains to enter a tunnel complex like that. It's just not what they do. Not even the special communities. Most militaries work on entering, clearing, you know, tunnels with unknown enemy forces or, you know, chasing down small enemy forces or 
um, identifying tunnels and then figure, you know, we have these things called neutralize a tunnel or uh, defeat a tunnel. Or cl- you basically close a tunnel, things like that. I mean, the idea of them going on, actually going into the tunnel systems in Asaf and clearing out the hundreds of fighters left with ammunition, it's just unrealistic. But they are being pushed, I believe, and I, I think that we all believe that they're being pushed to end it quickly. And that's why we've seen the artillery nonstop, the, the, the only increase. Um, and I think, personally, the plan is to try to silence them, right? So, which, you know, God forbid, it doesn't happen. Sir, thank uh, you. We as Egyptians, we had a, an experience with those tunnels being used to smuggle uh, ammunition, explosives, drugs, food between Sinai and the Gaza Strip. The approach was yep. either to demolish them or to use sewage water, pumping sewage water into them. Yep. Or a third option that I will not refer to. Now, given the current situation on the ground in Mariupol, in your assessment, how likely would the Russians deploy a chemical weapon against those tunnels? Because otherwise they just need to flood them with water or try to use some sort of a technique to blow them up in, in some way, be it a, a very small drone, for instance, that they can operate or some vehicle that, that can be wire operated, that they maybe some robot or some... Um, the only the only solution that I can think of is a wire-operated robot that can explore those dro- uh, tunnel networks and try to lay out some mines or explosives or whatever, or lead the way for infantry that go in, or engineering elements that would go in and just blow it up. Yeah, I mean, so you're right, and I've studied all that. I mean, in the Israelis, um, we even fill tunnels they find with with. Gall- you know, with hundreds of gallons of concrete just to, again those are all tactics to, to stop a tunnel from being used again when found they're not you know so the u.s military's urban warfare do- or subterranean doctrine is about entering and clearing them why with ballistic shields and things like that but it isn't for this scale um I, one i don't think chemical weapons one but you know never say never i, I don't put it past the russians i just think it changes the the geopolitical situation i personally think they're trying to rebelize enough of the entrances to silence the factory to be able to stand on it uh, and and say there's no more resistance left without having to clear which is a war crime because there's hundreds of civilians known to be underground i know of much of the robotic systems in the u.s military's you know in in that space as well that can go down into the spaces you know, not to do explosives, but just to be that, you know, to take the round, kind of like an urban warfare. Uh, but there's, like I said, like we've talked about with Jason Drew, the specialized equipment that's needed. One, the Russians don't have it. Two, you, they don't have that scale. Um, three, this is about time for them. I personally think, you know, I think we all believe this is about time. So the, the options of such as flooding, um, which is a possibility, right? Because the water table, it's, it's along the coast. Um, the, that is a possibility. But again, the scale doesn't work for the timeline that they have. Time is always a consideration in warfare. And in this situation, in clearing that one factory complex, time looks to be an issue for them. So their options are very limited. Um, I don't think we'll see a suicide mission for them as in sending troops down. They don't have access to the robotics necessary to do what 
what M was just talking about that I do know of. But even when that's a possibility, it isn't at that depth of, uh, uh, or range, right? I doubt they even have the, the equipment to communicate or to see under there. Can I make a quick point as well? CJ pointed out the other day that <clears throat> as well, when they go, when going underground like that, you need to take compressors or bottles of your own wa- own oxygen because it la- there's there's no air there's no oxygen down there and to cause a breach on the size that they need they'll need oxygen so that's another added added bit of equipment that they're going to need that they're not going to have to hand right now which well, I just cannot see them u- going going down there and breaching breach the, the I could see them what you were saying using a bombing technique to try and create a coffin or open it up. But yeah. going down there just seems absolutely off the table. There is ways. So one, I, I don't Sorry. think that they need the the self breathing apparatus because they know that civilians are down there that the the air ducts are working, and that's when you really don't know the environment. So the the cutters you're talking about, therm, thermo barrack, not thermo barrack, but uh, it starts with a T. Cutters that you need. I mean, I think it'd be more likely to to call to infiltrate the tunnel system, place C four explosives. Uh, then back out, which would be extremely detrimental because of the travel of concussions and the amount of damage it would cause. That's one of the things that would be have to be guarded against is protecting the tunnel entrances to prevent a limited infiltration and then an emplacement of crude explosives. Thank you, tunnel network 1.6 kilometers in width jump. and three kilometers in length um, of space. Sorry, just going to jump in real quick again. Got a lot of uh, overwhelming number of DMs. Just to clarify, um, we have uh, um, we are posting a force uh, three or three separate um, tweets from Walter Report that have our guests. Um, and the only thing is, uh, can you please, instead of sending me or others the DMs of questions that you'd like us to consider, uh, can you please post them in the thread? So for Colonel Spencer. Um, there's going to be a little intro there. And then if you could just type in, I have a question here. Remember, this is going to be about urban warfare, misinformation, geopolitics. Um, and, you know, you might want to tailor a good question or a successful question. A winning question is one that's tailored to the person who's speaking and their expertise. Um, that's sure to be asked. So if you can, uh, you'll see Walt's report list um, our three speakers. General McRyan is still, uh, we're unsure because uh, in Australia, I don't know. The time is upside down and backwards, so we have to see if it's not in the middle of the night for him. Hopefully, he can attend if the timing is okay. Uh, it should be, I think, early in the morning for him, so we're not sure if he can make it, but uh, he sends his regards. Um, so we're going to just post the questions for the three speakers uh, so far, four speakers, actually, um, and then we might have the fifth on the panel a little later. So thanks so much again, and uh, it's not that I don't want to answer the questions. When you get hundreds of DMs, it's it's kind of tough. So thank you so much again. Sorry to interrupt you, gentlemen uh, and ladies. Bye-bye. I actually have to go, Dom um, and M. John, for the uh, bat signal. before you go, we have a, we might have a very interesting question from uh, Gurney Halleck. Uh, very quickly, though. Gurney, please go ahead. Hey, thanks, Em. Um, Major Spencer, hey, quick, uh, th- w- one point of, of context and then one question to you regarding last night's conversation, but relevant to Mary Pool here. Um, I don't know if you've seen the pictures, um, but uh, it, carpet bombing might be a misnomer here. Um, the Russians use uh, what's what would I don't know their nomenclature, but what would be the equivalent of the U.S. mine clearing line charge? And when you see them um, dismantling the the video of Azastal, you can see the line charges go out. 
um, uses a high explosive, similar to a Miklik. They, they've done this in different things where they uh, don't keep it as a line. They ball it. They end up balling it up or cutting it, and it flies about 500, 600 yards and does some devastation. So, so that was just a bit of context to, to add to it. Um, there's some visual evidence out there to, to see it. So I would say be wary of those 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 mine vehicles, those engineering mine vehicles. But the question to you, John, um, came up with Jason and you last night, adaptation and the urban environment. So I just pose it to you is, is, um, you know, have you, have you seen evidence of their adaptation, the Russian adaptation before outside of Ukraine using this? I believe they've used it in Syria as well, but I just say that if they can't get the aerial assets in and the high explosive, um, targets in from afar, what it looks like they're using is, you know, from a thousand, a thousand meters away. Um, and it doesn't look like they're trying to level it, but the shock wave is going to have an impact on the structural concrete, meaning it's going to potentially pancake concrete on concrete, um, even if it doesn't actually look like it's, it's doing as much, but that's what, what we're seeing in a lot of the pictures today. So that's my, my question to you, John, Major Spencer about adaptation. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a great point. I, I, I wasn't aware of it, so I appreciate that. So, you know, Miklicks or similar variations that are, basically lines of explosive C4 that, uh, you know, basically shoot way off and they clear a path by just blowing it with extreme violence. Uh, so that's interesting because it doesn't have that charge. Those charges don't have that much ground, pen, almost zero ground penetration. So maybe the Avstall have mined some routes. So it's, it's a mine clearing tactic that can be adapted, right? We have seen, especially in Mariupol where the urban has been the urban fighting has been the worst in Ukraine, adapting stereotypical to military units such as you know direct fire tanks into buildings, direct fire artillery into buildings, you all of those tactics. I don't think that that I think that's just a you know, those are low level tactical adaptations are based on what they have and what they've been told to do. So if they are using that, that actually mean for me points to just a limitation of accurate. Um, ground penetrating fires and the scale of the complex, right? This, this complex, like actual saying, is huge. But now, Miklik like that, or, or uh, an engineering line clearing charge used to clear off mines either by blowing them and causing the explosion, just blowing them out, doesn't have much ground penetration, especially with the these hardened cement deep penetrating tunnels. So that, that that's a great point and interesting. So hey, thanks guys. I'll, I'll be on CNN here in about ten minutes if you. If you're busy, not busy, you want to watch some TV. Thank you, Collins. Thank you so much. Gurney. Thank you, Colonel Spencer. Uh, And just if I could add for context, um, I don't know exactly what what charges they're using, but if you take a look at the the visual evidence, um, it looks to be, like Major Spencer said, it doesn't have the penetration um, but it doesn't look like it needs the penetration because it's using um, shock waves. And I think uh, the effect would be amplified against um, uh, strengthened concrete, meaning if this is out in the field up against the wall, it might have minimal effect. But if it's on top of a wall um, inside of a box, uh, the, the acoustic pressure, the, the overpressure and underpressure seems to be doing um, some devastating results. But anyways, but but food for thought for the audience to, to take a look at that. I've I've seen it before and i can't remember where um maybe one or two or three weeks ago where they coil up a charge um and they shoot it out there and, and it looked devastating then but but it, it you know i just wanted to add that thanks
Thanks, Gurney. Um, let's go on to Lewis and then Misfit. Lewis. I uh, just wanted to give my, my two cents on the Azov style issue. Uh, I, I uh, all, uh, also um, saw the video, Gurney, uh, about the bombing, uh, I think two or three hours ago, and it, it looked devastating. Uh, but I, I think the problem that um, uh, Ukrainians will have is, uh, if I remember right, um, the um, te technique for the, or the, the, I don't know the, the English word for it, um, the thing that, uh, the machine that is um, uh, producing oxygen for the six floors that they have underground is on the second floor. So, on the second or third floor. So if the Russians get into that, um, I, I think they will have a massive problem on the on the last floor, on the sixth floor. And uh, as I saw the, the images today, uh, the video uh, of the bombing, I, I was quite worried that, uh, yeah, uh, if they will be able to, to, to survive that because it was devastating. And, and I, I just to add there, I, I, I wish we could get an explosive expert, but I, I, if I recall correctly, it has something to do with the the speed of the detonation and the um, the, the blast pressure and the overpressure, as opposed to necessarily um, there's there's zero fragmentation with something like that, and the, and the blast radius is smaller, but but the speed at which the wave propagates out um, to to hit firm speed, ob rigid objects, volume of tree, tree being different. Speed. I think speed, volume of the Russians do not have a more speed. The yeah, they don't guys. have them. The Russians have not developed a more up. Yeah, just 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 one just one thing more, uh, um, Gurney. I think that the image or the video that you are, you are referring to three three weeks ago was on the theater in Mariupol. Is it possible? Because I think that was the, the same image that we saw today, uh, the same explosion. Uh well, there's there's two that I can recall, and and just to give Axel um, a clarification there, no, no, I'm saying because their lack of aerial assets and their lack of um, high explosives for something as large as a Moab, I'm I'm not implying that at all. What what I'm saying is is what, whatever explosive is in that line charge, it's used to clear mines without even contacting them. Meaning, if if the line goes out and there's a blast from it, it's the actual pressure wave which detonates the mines that are on. Um, you know, 75 yards on either side of the line. That's the normal scenario in which is used. I'm saying I've seen it three weeks ago where instead of the line going out and laying as a straight line, they sort of sent it out like a slingshot. It coils up like a snake and all of the line falls on some target. And then they um, launch the line all at once. And then what I've seen today, if you look, you can see the um, the line going out across uh, Azovstal and there's a angular detonation across the line. And there's, I, I could count three different line charges, um, but those are the vehicles I'd, I'd be most wary of or, or prioritizing my targets against those mine claim vehicles. But it's, it's called U7, the U-77. Yeah, and, and I'm just saying it, it, it seems devastating only for the, the pressure effects in terms of, of non-contact, but the, the pressure wave and the overpressure onto something that is rigid and firm, meaning it, it wouldn't have the same effect on a tree that can just 
absorb it, right? Because it's actually not touching the tree with the blast. Just, well, I shouldn't say the blast, but the the um, the primary charge is not touching the tree. It's the overpressure and the. And the... Okay. Isn't it true that it's highly likely that the Russians have actually managed to um, simply block their own way, uh, own path to success by having bombed heavily Azovstal and um, gotten rid of most of the blast furnaces from what one can see from satellite pictures. And as a consequence, they are unable to create an underground uh, cavern, which um, could, if fully, you know, filled with proper <laughs> proper ordinance could then expand sufficiently to blast those three, four, five, six stories of tunnels. They missed out on the charts because the blast furnaces are heavily integrated into the depth of that structure. That is how you could actually shatter all the tunnels and they failed to do so because they had them collapse into each other. Yeah, I, I I can't refute any of that, Axel. I, I don't have enough knowledge of, of Avistol. I, I'm just I just wanted to add I can this, show this you the else. I can show you the photos of the blast furnaces when they were built and refurbished last in two thousand fourteen and uh, the old ones which we once visited in nineteen ninety seven. And you can see how deep they are actually embedded in the ground. And the tunnel network is like a girder around them. That's the whole point. Oh, oh, sure. I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I completely believe I'm taking your word for that. I, I, that I, I just, I heard the word carpet bombing maybe 30 minutes ago. And I just wanted to add that point of clarity that that's, I don't believe that that's what we're actually seeing there. Um, I don't think they can get their air support and I don't think they can get their missiles there. Um, so meaning if I was defending um, as Ostal or, or away from that, I'd prioritize finding those uh, mine clearing vehicles because they, can't have too many of them i don't know how many charges i know they carry about two charges per before reloading but that's what i would prioritize if i was outside of Mariupol trying to help oh, i understand your point and by the way i was the one who introduced the carpet bombing into it because that is seemingly the strategy they, they've applied so far because seemingly they are lacking those uh, mine clearing vehicles this is where this burying under rubble comes from Misfit, please go ahead. Thank you. I, uh, yeah, it's called the UR-77 meteorite. Uh, and I shared a link to uh, a video from some, that someone else posted to the Nest. If you want to see uh, the vehicle that he's just been talking about. Um, that's all I was really going to say is the name of the vehicle. You guys obviously caught it already. Um, but as a bonus question, I wanted to ask, and I brought this up last night. If the, and it's not regarding Mariupol, um, but if the Ukrainians were to uh, shell or use conventional artillery on military targets just across the border into Belgorod, would you view that as a serious escalation? Or do we think that that's par for the course, justifiable, quote unquote, accepted? Um, because it seems like, at least around the Kharkiv area, uh, Ukrainians have been uh, driving north, um, you know, have entered Stary Saltiv. Uh, they're within range of potentially doing some damage across the border. And, I, and some people kind of gave some pushback on that last night as far as um, that would be some sort of huge es escalation up the ladder, so on and so forth. So I just wanted to throw that one out there. Thanks. 
thank you. Sorry. So long story short, first of all, the video is old. It's not from recent days and the current uh, Russian assault on Azovstal. That's number one. And uh, however, yes, indeed, Russians use all kinds of uh, engineering equipment and explosives and bombing runs upon Azovstal just to kill everyone who are there, including civilians who remain in there. That said, uh, regarding Russian military targets, that has been happening pretty much since the very start of the war, when Ukrainians targeted Russian military airstrips and airfields in Rostov-on-Donu region and destroyed the airstrip and a couple of Russian airframes in Russia with Ukrainian Tochkau missiles. And it continued to be the case continuously. That's what happens when you wage a war on your immediate neighbor. Well, tough luck, and no, it's not going to be an escalation. Thank you, Walter. Thanks, Walter. Um, I think M had to go. Walter, if you want to get another co-host up, I think that'd be great. Uh, maybe Maciej can do it, if he's still among the listeners. Um, we don't have anyone with their hand up right now. We have Kevin, who just joined us. Kevin K., if you want to go ahead, feel free to, without even putting your hand up, because we're currently out of hands. Uh, anyone else who wants to speak, please request to speak using the button in the bottom left corner of your screen. In the meantime, Kevin, if you wish to go ahead... Kevin Kay. Luis, go ahead. Yeah, thank you. If no one wants to talk, I, I will. Uh, I will talk a little bit. Uh, I just wanted to ask Axel, uh, have you seen um, the press conference today of uh, Olaf Scholz, Habeck, and I think Lindner? Or was no, it Baerbock? Baerbock, I thought, but okay. Uh, no, I didn't see the three soldiers. What did they say? Yeah, they said again uh, that they repeated again uh, something that Scholz already said yesterday or uh, the day before. That they are uh, sorry for for that word, but that that they are pissed that uh, Steinmeier was uh, uh, how can you say that uh, that his visit was cancelled and uh, that uh, um, that cancellation is uh, uh, how do you say that um, an affront uh, against all. Yeah, against all German people. So um, it's, I, I, I mean, I, I live in Germany for 32 years, uh, 33 years. And I, I just think it's shameful that a guy like uh, the Bundeskanzler is behaving like that, uh, where 
thousand uh, kilometers away, uh, neighbor of us is is dying. Uh, children and, and women are raped, uh, and they are talking about days and days that Steinmeier was cancelled uh, and he could not visit Kiev. Well, I have a little audio trouble here. I can't uh, mute myself, so I apologize if there's background noise from dogs uh, out in the garden. So uh, I knew it. <laughs> Sorry. No, it, right on cue. <laughs> but the thing is, um, that obviously, the only English term which comes to mind is tone deaf. They have no empathy. They have no sense of strategy. And they lack the inner values and deep-rooted um, sense which you should have if you were in such a position as they have been catapulted in. I, That's I, all I, there is to say. I have a theory on that. Nibelkerze, um, um, grenade smoke. <laughs> or smoke grenade. A smoke grenade, yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you think that they are talking so much about it because they don't want to work out the last 20 years of SPD, um, Social Democrats and uh, Merkel uh, politics? Um, that's well, why they are... Yeah, but it's not Merkel politics, actually, only. That's the whole point. The problem is that this... We are currently... Uh, and, and I think we talked about this before, did we not? That this is, we are currently experiencing and observing the slow moving implosion of social democracy in Germany. And the Greens are trying to find a way out from underneath that implosion because it will bur potentially bury their aspirations to keep the youth of Germany on their side as a strategic voter potential. If all comes to light, which they have done to ensure the KGB's penetration of the pacifist and radical left and the außerparlamentarische Opposition, late 70s, early 80s, essentially being the first step on this step up. You need to first co-opt the left, then you go against the nuclear policy, then you undermine it, then you play the game on natural gas. It's a long play. Everybody in, in say, serious... Uh, security circles knows this the german military and general intelligence intelligence service know this and i'm absolutely certain that mr scholz knows exactly what he has done and what he has contributed to so there is no question about it but the greens are finding out that oh god we were the useful idiots and now they're seeing their potential future going away that is the problem yeah. that is why they're playing uh along Absolutely. If you see the, the if you see the statistics for the Greens or, or for the politics, uh, I think uh, Baerbock is on first place. Habeck is on second place. On third place is now uh, Özdemir, I think. Oh, it's Özdemir and then Hofreiter. Yeah, yeah, one of the two. So, <laughs> absolute green on the power. It's it's amazing. Yeah, but the perception will change very, very quickly when it actually comes to what uh, the Germans call it, when it's some schwurkommt, when you actually have to um, commit to something. And uh, that is where they are now f uh, finding out that it's difficult, because on the one hand, they have this moral feeling, and Habeck was in Donbass, therefore he convinced himself of something last year already, which is why he has this deep-rooted feeling that he needs to do something. You know, this classic German thing, we need to do something. And uh, yeah, 
that uh, comes to bite him now because he's facing reality. <laughs> Gentle people, I need to leave the space uh, quickly, restart the dang thing, because otherwise you'll have my dogs constantly in the background because I can't <sighs> mute myself. I apologize. Give me a minute. You can just keep your dogs. It's okay. As in, you can keep your dogs uh, barking in. I, I quite enjoy it, honestly. That's the dogs telling us what they think uh, shoots. Yeah, exactly. If only we're not discussing <laughs> it. It's all right. Uh, in the meantime, I'm, I think Peace for Ukraine was first. I don't really know. But let's go with Peace for Ukraine uh, and then Rick and then Victor. Peace. Uh, I think it, Rick was first. So I'll, oh, I'll, I'll take it. Okay, we'll go with Rick because Peace is very uh, polite. Rick. Hi, thank you. Uh, by the way, I've been on this for several days uh, of your this special channel, the voice thing that you have here. And although I have a doctorate in physics, I just today figured out how to raise my hand. So there's that. Maybe knowledgeable, but not very smart. <clears throat> I have a question, which is a military question. I'm not a military guy. What would it take in terms of armaments for the Ukraine... Ukraines to be able to kick the Russians out of the Black Sea, <clears throat> retake Crimea, and have access, you know, for to world markets via the Black Sea. I'll go on silence now. Oh my, that's a, that's a big question. Uh, let's see if we can get Patomus up. Maybe he might have a good um, a good answer to this. Patomus, did you hear the question? Maybe you can uh, give it a go. I was just going to warn whoever's uh, doorbell that is, but that might be the uh, FSB at your door. Run. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Can you can you repeat the question, please? What do you need to take the black sea? All right. So, battle, the question was, what do the Ukrainians need in terms of weapons to retake the Black Sea, retake Crimea, kick Russians out, and be able to reopen the shipping lanes out of Odessa, and et cetera, et cetera? Oh, sweet Jesus. That's uh, no small task. Um, uh, a Navy? <laughs> you know, for one thing... Um, the it, it it it's a hard call because you have you have several major players in the in the Black Sea, and it's essentially sorry I got a little indigestion here. It's essentially divvied divvied up among, amongst those powers, and I I dare say that you know uh, uh, Russia would uh, would like to take all of Ukraine's uh, Black Sea Black Sea holdings. So it increases their percentage of ownership of the Black Sea. What Ukraine would uh, would need to retake it, I don't think that's a priority right now. Uh, as it's been uh, stated before, uh, let's let's win the war in the east, you know, and then worry about the the sea later. Uh, we can we can always uh, transport uh, goods. Into Romania, Romania would be no like very you know very happy to uh, you know to transport those goods out you know to ship the ship Ukrainian wheat and grains out uh, out through the uh, out out of the Black Sea into the Med. Um, you know, other than that, uh, you know what do they got? They got uh, I wish I wish Gunny was here. Uh, they got 
four operational kilos. So there's, those are diesel, diesel class uh, um, uh, submarines that the that the Russians have. I dare say that a lot of these uh, air operations of the ASW on the Romanian and Turkey side are uh, are specifically harassing those. <laughs> 